Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, I'm Scott Sosh. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Stay Hot Stan Kroenke Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. Now, we don't have Stan with us, and even if he was with us, which I don't think he would do, (laughs) you don't get the nickname Silent Stan by going on all the podcasts and all the TV shows, and probably could get Josh. I could get Josh's son to sort of evaluate the stay hot Stan Kroenke. I I think he would have liked it, sort of got into it, Um, even though the... uh, the uh, Avalanche are a little bit of a disappointment not making the Stanley Cup Finals this year. Uh, the Rams, uh, you know, won the Super Bowl, but what were they, 5-12 and 12 last year, I believe? Bad, bad right? season, for yeah, sure. Yeah, great. I was talking to one of the executives over there shortly uh, before the season ended, and or it must have been maybe it was right after it ended, and it was good news, bad news. The good news, we're still defending champions. The bad news is, you know, we're going to be 5-12 and 12 until next year starts. And so, I mean, that's how it is. That's the life in pro sports, right? It's, you think, you would think that even Cubs fans, Red Sox fans, I laugh at Red Sox fans now that just, oh, the team stinks and there's all this. Uh, remember when it wasn't so long ago? Boy, if I could just taste a World Series, if I could just get one in my lifetime, then they give you multiple World Series, and they're back to criticizing you because you stink and you're not winning again. Same with the Cubs. You know, but you, you just won the Super Bowl a few years ago. It is not the easiest thing to do in the NFL. Sustained excellence. It is not. You either have to have an otherworldly player like Tom Brady. You have to have some players playing at far below their value because of the hard salary cap, or you have to do something better than everybody else. Like you have the magic wand of how to draft players. And I think that was a little piece of, it was Brady and Belichick. I get it. But I think the Celtics built a Celtics, the uh, Patriots built a better mousetrap, but that they understood the value of the lower draft picks that you could get great value and, and position specific players that cost you less money further down in the draft. So they would further, you know, they would trade away picks and, and, and move down. Uh, I think that was a little bit of their success, but other teams are starting to understand that as well. A little bit of the analytical game of the NFL. And if it is a, what have you done for me lately kind of world, looking broadly at the Stan Kroenke portfolio, it's pretty amazing what the, what the last two years have brought. You you mentioned February, 2022, the Rams win the Stanley, win the Super Bowl. Uh, a few months later, 
the Colorado Mammoth, the NLL indoor lacrosse team that Stan Kroenke owns, wins the NLL title. A few months after that, the Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup title. Uh, this year, for folks who follow English Premier League soccer, Arsenal had a historic season just got nipped at the end, finishing second in the Premier League, but a Champions League slot by almost all measures a really successful Arsenal season. And as we talk right now, Scott, the Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals, heavily favored in the NBA Finals, we should add, against the Miami Heat. Uh, it, it really is a historic 18 months uh, of success here for Stan across the entire sports portfolio. I think the only team that he owns there that we didn't mention is, is, is the Colorado Rapids. And I don't know enough to know exactly how they're doing uh, in MLS, but outside of that, it's, it's, it's championships all up and down here uh, for, for all of Kroenke's teams. Yeah. And it's just a simple win that he got the team to LA and had this mega real estate development. So the cash registers are spinning there as well. The only place he isn't winning uh, is sort of in the cable negotiation game, <laughs> you yeah. know, where his teams are not being seen on Comcast or in Comcast homes, which makes up a majority of the state of Colorado. I mean, there are other ways like Fubo, you can see the Avalanche and the Nuggets, but that this impasse has been going on for a while. But then again, the big argument, you know, is oh, you're 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 fans, you're losing fans, you don't have reach. Dodgers went a very long time without a deal on some of those operating systems, you know, because they had to deal with Time Warner. So they went a very long time without full coverage. And I'm, it seems, at least from where I sit, things are okay with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So perhaps it's not the imperative that many thought it was. And as a teaser for something we'll talk about later in the show, that the, the whole local rights world is changing so rapidly that I do wonder if the carriage fees in a lot of cities and Denver, maybe one of them kind of become a thing of the past as, as all of those local rights reshuffle. We'll put a pin on that uh, in, until later. Uh, I do want to mention Scott for, for, for folks who are curious just about what, what Stan paid for this empire of, of teams, right? I don't have the Arsenal number in front of me, but he bought the, the avalanche, the Nuggets and and what is now Ball Arena for four hundred and fifty million dollars, um, and then bought his the, the the major stake in the Rams at a seven hundred and fifty million dollar valuation, um, or the, about the, what somebody's about to pay for the Ottawa Senators. Ex exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. We value across the whole thing, all of the, the entire empire. Uh, as, as as a $12.9 billion sports property. Ironically, and, and you and I joked about this before, Bloomberg, which is, for my money, the most reliable list of billionaire worth, uh, gives him a, a, a $15 billion net worth. So so we value the teams at just about $13 billion, and Bloomberg has his entire, all of his business, including the real estate stuff, at, uh, at about $15 billion. Um, but Stan is one of the richest, I think one of the top five richest sports team owners in the U.S., um, and and again, Nuggets, we can get into the basketball now. Nuggets facing the Heat in an NBA final, Scott, that I think even the, the most avid NBA fans would not have predicted that this was going to be the two teams that, that were showing off even when the play has started. Uh, yeah, I would have maybe said, you know, Denver there. Okay. Um, I, I wouldn't have written off the Miami Heat and Eric Spolstra. And by the way, for folks who don't know, there is a basketball lineage with Eric Spolstra. Yeah. Years and years ago, I would deal with his father, John. I don't know if he was president or what the title was uh, with the New Jersey Nets. 
playing, I believe at the time, uh, at something that was known as Brendan Byrne Arena, yeah. where the tractor pulls and things were very, very good, uh, but the team was not. And John is known as a really great marketer, and you would drive up and down the turnpike, and you would see the billboards change. It was like, come see Shaq and the Magic, you know, playing. The, they know there weren't a lot of Nets fans there. They needed to get people in the building, so he would do whatever it took to get people to come. And I know the anecdote that you love to tell uh, has to do with the jersey, so I'm going to let you do it because you tell it so well, but it really is a, a creative thing that I haven't seen very often. Yeah, this was a little a little bit later, probably in the, the late 90s or even early 2000s. Uh, but I remember growing up in New Jersey, there was a time when the Nets were were advertising and giving away at games reversible jerseys. And I don't know who the star on the Nets was. Let's just say it was Richard Hamilton or maybe it was Jason Kidd. But you would go to a game and, and you could have a, a jersey that was, you know, in one side was Jason Kidd Nets and then turn it inside out and it's Kobe Bryant on the Lakers. Or you turn it inside out and it's LeBron James on the Cavaliers, whatever it is. Um, and from, from what I remember of friends telling me going to games, you would go to these games and everybody would be turning the Jersey inside out and wearing the, the visiting star, right? Because it was almost always a bigger name and a more popular player than the, than the star on the nets. Uh, so, so I do think I'm sure it's part of the same motivation here, which is the thought that if your team is not, you know, lighting it up on the scoreboard or in the standings that maybe the way to get people to come to games uh, is is to highlight who they're going to get to see on the visiting team, right? And and I don't I don't think you're going to see too many teams doing direct reversible jersey type promotions anymore. Uh, but I I believe, and this is probably an overlap with Eric Spolstra's father, but there was definitely at that time. Uh, th th this idea at the Nets that the way to fill their arena was less to talk about the Nets and more to talk about who was who was playing the Nets. All right, I'm going to give you one more anecdote that I learned from John Spolster back in the day. Is it before the rubber I duck? You, no, 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 oh. no, no. Uh, back in the day, you know, before we had all this digital stuff, um, the way the NBA often promoted itself and fans around the world would get VHS cassette tapes. And they would be games, they would be highlight videos that, and the like. So, of course, John probably had a trunk full of this stuff, you know, and he would bring it home. And he told me the story of a young Eric, I don't know what age, but let's just say 8, 9, 10, 11, whatever it was, of a young Eric who was a basketball player. He would take one tape in particular, and it was the Isaiah Thomas dribbling tape. And he would study the crossover, the Isaiah crossover. One of his, obviously, um, one of his uh, best moves. And you could see, and back, you remember back then, oh, you, once again, you're probably too young, but back then, the DVRs or the VCRs, rather, had a chord. And you'd, you know, you rewind, and then you could play. You could see the spot on the tape that Eric would rewind like 5,000 times to study Isaiah's crossover. So it was no surprise a kid with that level of attention went on to become the film guy for the Miami Heat and is now the head coach. But, I mean, that's not business, but I like the fact that promotional DVDs, not DVDs, VHSs became, you know, sort of obsessive for Eric Spolstra and that moved him on. But by the way, my head was kind of moving when you were talking about five richest owners. So I'm reading a list here, richest owners in sports and international. So I'm going to go down and like cross off. We're just a U.S. Mukesh Ambani, number one. Okay. So the, the richest U.S. sports team owner, Steve Ballmer. Yeah. Not a surprise there. Number two, mm -hmm. Rob it's Walton. Not Walton. Walton. Ballmer's richer than Walton. 
Balmer, 80, 80 billion. Walton, 57.6. Gotcha. Okay. You know, what's, what's a few billion among friends? Uh, Pinot, that's not there. Red Bull. So we, we, we count that. That's Red Bull. Um, Jim Radcliffe, we don't count that. Masayoshi Son, we're not counting that. Um, David Tepper, 18.5. Okay. Dan Gilbert, 18. Dan Gilbert. Steve Cohen, 17.5. Robert Pera, 15.5. Jerry Jones, all right, that's 13. So, all right, we're right in that area. He's Where that he area. is is right yeah. in that area. Uh, but certainly winning has something to do with valuation because, you know, people want uh, sponsors pay more. There's just greater value around it. So good job, Stan Kroenke. Before we move on from from the NBA, um, it does feel like to me that this this NBA Finals could shape up to be the Nikola Jokic star turn big title to to accommodate or, or, or to accompany all the other things that he's accomplished and achieved in his life. I still think that a lot of the uh, a lot of casual basketball fans maybe have not watched him all that much. Um, don't understand uh, the, the the lengths to which he is a, a absolute superstar talent wise. And I think we've seen this in the past, Scott. That there are I think Giannis accomplished this a few years ago, right? When when the Bucks won the championship, where it was clear that he was one of the best players in the NBA. But watching him win a championship and the halo effect and and all of the other ancillary business things that come along with that. I would argue launched Giannis into a totally different stratosphere of stardom. And it feels like the, the cards are shaping up very well. If the nuggets do win the NBA title in the next two weeks, uh, that, that this could be Nikola Jokic's moment as well. And not only that, I believe while Giannis, he, he, you know, he's like that philosopher in, in the post game and people are, are drawn to that. Jokic is very similar. Mm-hmm. He he downplays the me, it's the we. He downplays the individual accolades. He doesn't care. He just wants to win. And do you get the sense, and this is weird thing of of fatigue of certain players. Like there was this why is Jokic even in in the running for three straight MVP yeah. awards? Um and, and who would you rather have? I, I think we'd have probably near unanimity, and this is no shot at Joel Embiid. But if you said to all the general managers in the league, who would you start a team with, Jokic or Embiid? I don't know too many who would say Embiid. Agreed. I mean, this guy, yeah. uh, he it's his coming out party for sure. He's hes a freakish basketball player. And I am not aware, by the way, of his endorsement portfolio. I have not really seen anything that he's done and or anything his face is attached to. We have to have uh, some of our folks look into what is the portfolio and maybe it's international. I'm not sure. But uh, I think you're right. This is going to be, if if the Nuggets win, this will be a coming out party for Nikola Jokic because he's got everything that marketers want. And, and we've talked about how, and we don't need to get back into to my theory on that, but but when, when Giannis won the championship, celebrating with his brother on Zoom was such this great moment. If Nikola wins the championship, get me the, the camera on him and his brothers. His right? brothers, the, yeah. Uh, this the, is the, the Gronkowski's <laughs> ready to happen. This is the next, yeah. Yep. The two Jokic brothers also feel like they are. That That is the thing I want to see. I don't care about the post-game interview. I don't care about the trophy celebration. I want to see Nicola and his two brothers uh, celebrating in person. So, so in some ways, there's another kind of parallel there as well where there's a family aspect to, to this star's you know big NBA championship moment as well. 
and they're all centers or they're all like it's not like you're getting all, the point there, there's guys. no point yeah. guard Jokic right exactly yeah. when the, you know the Jokic brothers when they're standing around it's it's pretty clear who they are 100% but if, right if the Gronkowski brothers are can have a can have a show yeah uh, they're the Eastern European Gronkowski this yeah. would be the Eastern European <laughs> Gronkowski that that's exactly right and I would watch that I would like to see all the things uh that they do and then flip it to uh the Miami Heat Jimmy Butler moved around quite a bit Big star. Um, not sure how the ratings will do. You know, this is one of those where uh, the NBA, as always, and the partners, uh, they, they better hope that we're not done in four. Even if they're close games, a lot of the NHL series, they were close series. Each yep. game was close, but the same team won the first four. That's a huge problem. If, if one team goes up three or if they're two blowouts, uh, you might have a little bit of trouble with, uh, with the numbers on this one. I did see that the the game seven of the Heat Celtic series was, I think, the most watched uh, playoff game in in, in, in Turner uh, from three zero to game seven, history. which is all they want. Yeah, so so and, and obviously a lot of those people are probably watching because it's the Celtics, but yeah, it, the, the Heat were also playing in that game, and, and we're obviously not a ratings podcast. But you're right, the 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 the, the over overarching thing here for networks is. Four games bad, seven games good, and and something in the middle you can talk about, you know, cities and marketplaces and things like that. Um, Scott, let's shift gears. Let's talk. Let's talk hockey. Um, you know, a, I'm always uh, up for that. NHL uh, Stanley Cup showdown between the Las Vegas Knights, just a few years into into their NHL, exist, NHL existence, and then on the other end, the Florida Panthers, a team that uh, a month ago when they were down three one to the the Bruins, a historically good regular season team, looked like uh, they they were going to be very quickly one and done. Um, I think they've won. I'm going to butcher the number 12 of their last 13 uh, playoff games, something like that. So, so, some incredible number rattled off in a row. As a hockey fan, I'm really excited about the the matchup. I think this is a very fun uh, pairing of of two teams that maybe don't have the absolute star power that the the Oilers or the Maple Leafs might have brought, but are extremely deep and play very physical. Uh, what are your thoughts on on NHL playoffs? My, my thoughts are hockey fans will love it, but the big problem that the NHL has is connecting with casual sports fans. The NHL has still yet to figure out how it can break away from its core audience. How is it going to attract casual fans to its its marquee games? And yeah. I'm not sure Panthers and Vegas Golden Knights, like if, if I asked 100 people on the street, so if I say Jonathan Marchessault, <laughs> Excuse me? What? Mark Stone. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Stone. Sergei Bobrovsky, anybody? You know, I, I don't think that it will get much of a reaction. And but my, by the way, maybe that's true of Nikola Jokic, too. I'm, yeah. I'm not. But uh, obviously, basketball, on, on a global basis, will just simply have more eyeballs on the championship series. Uh, the NHL is still struggling. It would help to have a Connor McDavid, a name people recognize, an Austin Matthews, again, a name people, or the or the sort of that historical sense of the of the Maple Leafs playing, or the Rangers playing in the championship series. But it, but it's not here. And also, by the way, this one's on TNT, which has the smallest mm-hmm. reach of all the possibles that that were there. It's not going to be on ESPN. It's not going to be on ABC. Those are alternating every year. This year happens to be TNT. They really better hope that this goes six, seven games if they want some some sort of decent number. Uh, otherwise, uh, I would fear that uh, this could be a, one of the lower rated finals that we've seen. And by the way, should we plug what we're trying to do for next week? Why not? Yeah. It, it is not done yet, but <laughs> we, are, we are hoping to have Vegas uh, LP Joe Maloof 
family used to own the Sacramento Kings. So we're hoping to have Joe Maloof on, and we're also tr- uh, trying to have Sean Thornton, former player, who is now the chief revenue officer of the Florida Panthers. We are trying to get those two guys to uh, sync their schedules. Not the easiest thing to do when your teams are about to play in the NHL, but we're going to see if we can sync them up, uh, chat with them on Monday for Tuesday's pod. So hopefully that comes to fruition. One other thought on on NHL. This is um, this would be if the Vegas Knights win the the first major U.S. franchise title for a Las Vegas sports team in the modern era. Right, we've talked a lot about how uh, in the past decade Vegas went from having no major U.S. sports teams to having a, a, a plethora and maybe even too many. Um, if the Vegas Knights win, I can't wait for the for this for the parade for the for the ceremony. J- just the way that that Vegas obviously does big events, does celebrations, does parties uh, in a unique way relative to the rest of the cities. Uh, Las Vegas's first major U.S. championship parade. I am going to have very high expectations for if it does come to that uh, in about two weeks, Scott. So what do you think? Uh, if they win the parade, it's in Henderson, it's in Summerlin, <laughs> or, or gee, if only Maybe there further was an, out there, yeah. you know, only if there was an iconic place <laughs> that perhaps a, a, a float with a with a Stanley Cup could could go. I'm you know I'm not really sure. Uh, Florida, I guess maybe we put it on the water. I mean Tom Brady. Uh, he he made that a thing, the, right? The Let's Lightning do, also yeah, did, did the so lightning much did on the jet boat skis parade. Yeah, that's like pretty that, cool. Yeah. Uh, but we shall wait and see. Speaking of seeing, you know what folks aren't going to see right now or <laughs> not see the same way as they saw, if we're talking seeing and sawing? Padres that, games. That's, that would be the San Diego Padres, yes. Uh, and we had a we had an inkling that this was coming, that uh, Diamond Sports Group would use the Padres because of the rights fee that they were paying that team, that this would be the one, the test case where they said, you know what? We're out. We're not paying anymore. And surely uh, we were right. And the Major League Baseball has now taken over the production of Padres games. You can pay 20 bucks a month. You can go to Fubo. There are other ways to see it. But what you're used to, sort of that RSN, here's the first one we've seen. Go bye-bye. Yeah, Diamond Sports Group, um, which we've talked about a, a lot in the past few months, one of the biggest stories in, in sports business going right now, owns rights to, I think it's, it's it's a little over 40, maybe 42 local rights to 42 different teams in, in the NHL, MLB, and NBA, going through bankruptcy right now, but up until this week had paid, albeit late in a lot of cases, had paid all of the rights fees they owed to teams. This Padres is the first team that they have actually missed the payment on and, and are not going to pay. So so what this looks like in San Diego is that uh, Tuesday night's game, Padres game, was the last game that's going to be appearing on on that Bally Sports Network in San Diego. And then after that, Major League Baseball is taking it over. And, and the games will be free to stream um, for the first, uh, I believe the first five days up and through, through, through Sunday. And then the MLB is going to be selling them $20 a month or $75 for the full season for Padres fans to, to stream them, uh, on, on their computers. There's also, uh, you can watch it on cable Fubo, I believe are, are, are options as well. Um, but this is something major league baseball has been bracing for, for a while. I would expect the Padres have also been bracing for for a while. Uh, Diamond said in a statement, Scott, and I, I wrote it down here, the economics of the Padres contract uh, was not aligned with market realities. This is a contract that pays the Padres, I think it's $60 million annually. Um, 
obviously Diamond does not believe that they are getting $60 million worth from that payment. Um, and we'll see what this new reality does. I, I'm assuming, and we talked to Brian Lawler, the, the Scripps uh, sports president, a couple weeks ago about this exact topic, and he made it very clear. He said, look, your teams are not going to be getting the same dollar figure number from their local rights under whatever the new model is going to be versus the RSN big, big check model. It's up to them to find other ways to monetize increased reach, uh, more availability for fans and things like that. So the Padres are losing out on a, on, on probably a very significant chunk of that $60 million, at least in, in, in the near term. And what can they do with the fact that more Padres fans are going to be able to watch and, and for cheaper amounts of money, be able to watch games from now on to the rest of the season? Um, how do they m use that to their advantage in other parts of the business? All right, you know where I'm going. If I if I say eyeballs, where am I going? Which story? The one I've heard forever. It, it, John Skipper. You know, John Skipper. Run ESPN. Course, what did yeah. John Skipper always say? <laughs> Get me the eyeballs. It is my job to figure out how to monetize. However, if I am Peter Seidler, owner of the Padres of San Diego, and I have shelled out Boku Bucks for Manny Machado, Juan Soto, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. My team, by the way, is not like front first place, right? Not really winning. No all yep. that much right now. Uh, how nervous am I? I have a very big commitment. I am losing a significant source of what I thought was going to be an annual revenue stream. Uh, I Yes, my team will be seen by more people now. The question is, what are they willing to pay? How are they going to do it? How do I monetize? Can I monetize quickly? This changing landscape has got to have many of these owners very, very nervous. I mean, that's the $60 million question here is what happens to the Padres when they are missing out a chunk of this revenue that they were counting on. And to do some back of, of, of napkin math there. So $60 million a year is, is what Bally's was paying the Padres. If we say that this, this new option, let's just use the $75 a year price point, right? You would need 800,000 people in San Diego to pay that 75 dollars a year price point to make up $60 million. The entire population of San Diego uh, looks to be about 1.3 million, right? So you need more than two thirds of the entire uh, entire population to buy the $75 a year streaming option to make up $60 million. Now that's obviously some, some very crude math, but the whole point there is that you're not going to get close to that again. So as this, as this shift happens, exactly what you're talking about, Scott, it, it's a question of, can you get more ticket sales out of people because it's easier to watch the games? Can you get more Merchandise sales. Are there other ways that you can structure your business in which the fact that there's more uh, more availability? W when Major League Baseball took over these rights, Scott, on Tuesday night, the statement they put out essentially, you know, was making a big point of the fact that they were almost tripling the reach of Padres games now. Whereas it was 1.3, 1.13 million under the old model, they think that they can reach maybe the the availability is up over three million people now. So there is an increased reach there. Now it's just a matter of, you know, how you monetize each yeah, I would eyeballs. say of those one whatever million, how many were actually tuning in? Like a, a very small percentage. Right, right. right. and now expanding the pool percentage. by 3x doesn't I don't think you'll get that same exponential growth in the number of eyeballs watching. 100% agree. Right. And in that and at the same thing it was a dueling statement at the time Diamond said, "Well, this is happening because we can't get the direct to consumer streaming rights." That's that's where you know the teams they fought to get that from baseball, the teams control the streaming routes. They they see that as a long-term uh, play for for growth and revenue, um, but 
there needs an there needs to be some sort of explanation, I think, as to why these streaming rights are so valuable. How much are they worth to the team right now? Could you do it on a one year off base? You know, could hmm. could you have done a short term deal? Give them this year, next year. Well, I I don't know. They're all things that perhaps could have been negotiated and were not, or tried and did not. But we know these teams are going to cling to the streaming rights moving forward. Uh, that they know that direct to consumer is a way where they can monetize, uh, further monetize, better monetize the eyeballs that they do reach. So that remains to be seen. But that it was this MLB saying, "Oh, but more people will be will be watching or available to watch." Uh, yeah, but but you know, it's not like you had one hundred percent. Uh, of those eyeballs available watching already. It's how you, yes, there are, you're going to go into more homes, but how many really want what you're showing? So and, that'll be interesting and, to watch. And different, the last point on this for me, the, the different leagues have different approaches to digital rights, right? Some do it league-wide. Some some leagues have, have, have more deferred to the teams on those. So it'll be really interesting, I think, to see, Scott, is, is the Padres one of, are, are the Padres one of, a handful of the 42 that, that Bally's decides it doesn't want to pay for or the Padres just by virtue of the schedule, the first of many, 20, 25, 30, whatever it is, how many, once each of these contracts expires, how many of these contracts uh, or, or payments are, 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 are is, is Bally's willing to skip or wants to pay? Time will tell on that. But again, this is a big moment just because it is the first ac actual breaking uh, for, 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 for Diamond Sports Group uh, refusing to pay a partner. So in the metaphor we've been going with with RSNs that the melting glacier, like, is this a piece of the ice cap floating off? This like, is, is a, this a, this is a cle cleaving of the iceberg. Is this is a cleaving yeah. of the ice shelf where a big piece is now you see it separated. You, see, you get the split, you get the video, you get the splash and it's now separated exactly. and floating exactly. away. We can go with yeah. that. Yes. By the way, I noticed for the first time, do you know you say my name a lot during the podcast? Hmm. Yeah. Mid-sentence, use at the back of the sentence. It just, just, I don't maybe care. Maybe it's a, a fill, instead of saying, um, maybe I just, maybe <laughs> I just use Scott. Could be. I do anyway, like it. I can, I can I stop. Do, I can use other names. I, I'm okay. Yeah, I know you got some of those. He is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter, Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on the Twitter, at Soshnick. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. Thank you very much, Matt. Digital media editor, Core Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network.